The bench. Okay, we are on South Hennepin and first. This is one of those towns like you can almost imagine the horse and carts riding down Main Street, right? It looks so much like an old west town. Mm-hmm. The Dixon Theater. This is where Ronald Reagan came for his the premiere, his movie premiere. When you visit Dixon, everywhere you walk, you're reminded that Ronald Reagan grew up here by the many plaques on buildings that he frequented as a young man. Oh, I think, oh yeah, this is where Ronald Reagan went to church. <laughs> is it? Yeah, first Christian church. Like the one on the church just around the corner from City Hall, where young Reagan taught Sunday school and his mom sang in the choir. Dixon has changed a lot since then, but in many ways it hasn't changed at all. What I'm really referring to are the values and traditions that made America great. Reagan is everywhere, reminding the people of Dixon of who they are and what their town stands for. But in early April 2012, a lot changed here in Dixon, because this is when the city discovered that for more than 20 years, they had been betrayed by one of their own. And they started to question everything they once held to be true. Some people even turned against the city's leaders, even against their beloved mayor, Jim Burke. I set up a phony meeting with Rita that she verified verbally and by email that she would be here for a 9-15 meeting. On April 17, 2012, Mayor Burke asked Treasurer and Comptroller Rita Crendwell to attend an early meeting at City Hall. But the truth was, this meeting was actually set up by agents working for the FBI. So they came up at 9 o'clock, and I got on the intercom, and, and I called Rita, and she said, yes, sir, just like she always does when I call her on the intercom. I said, can you stop back in the office here? So she came back in the office, said, good morning to everybody. And um, I said, these three gentlemen got some questions for you. And she said, sure. Rita sat down and started answering the FBI's questions. Questions about a secret bank account she had opened many years ago. An account that appeared to be opened with the sole intention of stealing money from the city. They questioned her for two hours. I was looking at her face. There was absolutely no change of emotion over her face or anything. And then they put the handcuffs on her and they took her out that door, right through the council chambers, down the steps to the garage and took her out of here. Just outside town, more FBI agents wait in unmarked cruisers on the shoulder of Route 52, across the street from Rita's house. A radio call comes in to say that Rita Crenwell has been arrested. The cruisers head up Rita's driveway. Other agents search Rita's horse breeding operation just a few miles down the road. Just over the border in Wisconsin, 
They swarm the Mary J. Ranch, home to Rita's boyfriend, Jim McKillops. And in Florida, they search Rita's vacation home. They scour every nook and cranny, looking for more evidence of Rita's crime. Back at Rita's house, agents head down narrow stairs into the basement. They point their flashlights into a dark crawl space and find banker's boxes. Financial records for her secret bank account dating all the way back to 1990. She always gave us this line, well, let me go to the money tree, see if I can pick some money off of there, then you can have it. I saw this one account that I'd never heard of before. I called the FBI. I said, I think there's a cancer in City Hall, but I need to talk with somebody. I was waiting for the day that they would come and take her. This has got to be a bad dream. Oh, it wasn't. I'm Alexa Burke, and this is Crooked City, Dixon, Illinois. Chapter 5 My Kingdom for a Horse. So on the morning of April 17th, 2012, Andy Rudabransky, she's a special agent in charge of the FBI, came to the police department. This is Dixon City Manager Danny Langloss. Back in 2012, Danny was the city's police chief. She popped upstairs, my office on the third floor. She knocked on the door and said, hey, you mind if I come in? I'm like, hey, Andrea, how you doing? Come on in. And then she asked if she could close the door. She was telling me that the FBI had just raided City Hall and that our comptroller, Rita, was under investigation for stealing several hundred thousand dollars from the city of Dixon. I just looked at her and I said, you gotta be kidding me. I'm like, tell me, tell me you're messing with me, Andrea. She goes, no, I'm not, this isn't good, Danny. I was um, at home and I got a call from Danny Langloss. And he says, Jeff, I need you down here at the City Hall right now. This is Jeff Kuhn, Dixon's newly elected streets commissioner. And he said, I'm not going to tell you anything until you get here. Okay. So I got in the car and drove down there. And it was two FBI agents standing out there, the the jackets with the FBI on, I could see on TV. And I couldn't get in the building. The heck? And I said, well, hey, I'm a commissioner. Here's my badge. He said, okay, you can come in. So I'm in, and then Danny was there, and there was a couple other commissioners. And I said, what's going on? And Danny said, Rita's been arrested. Okay, like, DUI, you know, I have no idea. Embezzlement. What? I said, how much? Well, they're still working on that. It could be in the millions. Oh, okay. Now we're scrambling. The arrest of Rita Crendwell was a surprise to all the city commissioners, and they knew it would be a surprise to the rest of the city employees as well. They wanted to move fast to get ahead of any panic or rumors. 
We were gonna designate a spokesperson and that spokesperson was Mayor Burke. The council had to speak with one voice because if the council's divided and not speaking with one voice, that's gonna destroy any trust or confidence that's left. I've never met anybody with a bigger love of the city than Jim did. Jim had visions of what he wanted the city to be like. The man truly loved the city. Mayor Burke and the commissioners asked all the city employees to gather for an emergency meeting at the police and fire department building. I told him, he said, the FBI has just informed us that Rita has been arrested for embezzling $3 million. That was the figure they gave us. By the time that meeting was over, the number grew to $30 million. There's plenty of business at Dixon City Hall, but it's hardly business as usual. I don't think anyone slept very well last night. It's such a sense of betrayal. I've known Rita for 25 years and never, ever would have thought this would have happened. Naturally, everybody's aghast. Shock and, and surprise. At Dixon City Hall, plenty of business just beginning. Every minute, you're realizing it's a bigger deal. This is Lee Berryhill. After her and her husband Leonard heard about Rita's arrest, they headed to the Mary J Ranch in Wisconsin. The helicopters were everywhere and they're hanging out with big lenses and they're outside the gates of the Mary J trying to take pictures and you know, you're just like, wow. The Mary J Ranch was home to Rita's boyfriend, Jim McKillops. And many people wondered if he might have been involved in some way. Leonard Berryhill was one of the first people to see Jim after Rita's arrest. Jim was in shock. He says he did not know what was going on, and I believe it. He's told me enough things, and I, and I have added two and two together many times and added two and two together on what Rita would say many times. And I just don't think he did. He always said that he would ask her sometimes about where, where's this money coming from. And she'd just tell him, it's, it's my money, and that's the end of the story. And he'd always say, well, I'm just keep my mouth shut. Jim asked me if I would go with him to get Rita out of jail, and I said, sure. So Lee and Jim and myself, we went to the jail. When they brought her in with the leg chains and, and handcuffs, I thought Jim was going to have a heart attack. He turned all kinds of white. She was in shackles in an orange jumpsuit and uh, two big FBI guys, one in front, one in back. I felt so sorry for her. She looked very old, tired, worn out. It just seemed surreal. And that was quite a different scene to see someone that you have seen at the top of the world whether in handcuffs and in an orange jumpsuit. And that was, that was pretty emotional. That was pretty tough. An officer took off Rita's leg chains and handcuffs, and she changed back into her street clothes. 
we all hugged and said hi and all that and we put her in the car and commenced to drive back to Beloit. Jim was driving and, and Rita just kept repeating, so stupid, so stupid. And she looked back at us and she said, I want you guys to know this, you're gonna have to take care of yourself. And so I said, yes ma'am, we will. She's in the back seat with me. She put her hand on my leg and said, I haven't gotten to hear the test results of your adrenal gland deal. The month before, Lee had told Rita that they had found some nodules on her adrenal gland and she was getting some tests done. I looked at Rita and I was like, what? I mean, compared to that, even if I do have cancer, whoa, you know? And I just said, they all the tests came back good and they're just going to watch them every five years. She's like, I'm so glad about that. I was sitting right next to her and her leg wasn't shaking. She was still. She was still. Lee and I jokingly said, well, we finally, for once, get to take you to eat. And so we filled up their car with gas and we took them to eat at a nice steakhouse. We talked horses. We didn't talk anything about any of that. We didn't want to talk anything about that. And um, she uh, ate her food. She was really hungry. And she wasn't usually very hungry. So the next day, it was on the newspaper that we took him to dinner. And she got to have a steak, which she did not. She had a hamburger. And she was hungry, and they didn't have any money. I mean, what are we supposed to do, not take him to eat dinner? Have you ever felt like escaping to your own desert island? Jane Gaskin did exactly that, trading in the family home to begin a new life in the tropics. But she soon discovers that paradise has its secrets. I'm Alice Levine, and this is The Price of Paradise, the island dream that ends in kidnap, corruption, and murder. Wish you were here? Follow The Price of Paradise now, wherever you listen to podcasts. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch involved in a then unheard of secret organization called the Illuminati and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes. In the Federal Building in Rockford, Illinois, the FBI is going through Rita Crendwell's financial records. The records were in the crawl space of her house in Dixon. This is Federal Prosecutor Joe Peterson from the last episode. She kept every bank record from this RSCDA account going back to 1990. So we were able to go back another 15 years all the way to the beginning of the scheme. In 1991, she had taken $181,000 from the city of Dixon. And in 1993? She had taken $225,000. The city at a budget workshop discussed the fact that they had a deficit of $414,000. The deficit is at $414,553. This is an actor playing Dixon's finance commissioner, Roy Bridgman, from the budget meeting minutes you heard in episode two. If we can't cut equipment and supplies, then that leaves employees. And I don't want to get to that point. 2000 is when uh, 
She stole a total of 1.9 million from the city of Dixon. Mayor Burke, please review your budget for further cuts. And all departments, please give your cuts to Rita Crundwell by noon on Monday. In 2001, Rita stole $2.6 million and bought some horses. The three most expensive horses she purchased that year included She's a Telusive Kid for $125,000, Moxie's Shadow for $175,000, and $225,000 to purchase a horse named Sacred Sierra in November of 2001. The deficit is at $1,279,363. Some really tough cuts are going to have to be made this year. In 2005, she took a total of $4.6 million. That's the year that she purchased a horse ranch facility on Red Brick Road in Dixon. Also in that year, she spent $1.8 million to purchase a new motorhome. $4.7 in 2007, $5.6 million in 2008. The city's working cash is almost down to zero, and there was a lot of juggling of funds to meet payrolls. Drastic cuts are needed, otherwise employees will be laid off. How can you sit through all these council meetings knowing that there's things that the city needs while at the same time she's buying horses, vehicles, all these things for herself? Rita hit her stride in 2010. She stole $5,640,518 that year. During the course of this whole scheme, I think the thing that stands out the most is that it doesn't appear that Rita Crenwell had a conscience at all. I mean, it's unconscionable. Federal prosecutors now claim that Rita Cronwell not just stole 30 million bucks from the city of Dixon, but $53 million. $53 million. $53 million. The single largest municipal frauds in U.S. history. The blame game has begun in the small town of Dixon, Illinois, as city leaders question how $53 million went missing without anyone noticing. Early on, we didn't know how much had been stolen. Right. We, we thought it was a few hundred thousand, but every time that number increased and every time it went on the front page of the paper, it was just like completely ripping open this huge scab that was starting or trying in some way to heal. Three weeks after Rita's arrest, Danny joined Mayor Jim Burke back in Dixon City Hall. They faced a packed council chamber. I've never seen so many people in the council chambers and so many angry people. Like you could just feel the negative energy, the anger, the betrayal, the, you know, just the disbelief in that room. A lot of the community was just outraged and we took the brunt of their anger. Streets Commissioner Jeff Kuhn was there with his wife, Jeannie. Mayor Jim Burke wanted to tell the angry crowd everything he knew, but he couldn't. The city lawyers had already told them, do not say a word about this. Do not say anything to anybody. And don't even say, you can't say anything. Just don't say anything. But Mayor Burke had to say something. So he stepped up to the podium at the front of the chamber. Without going into details, I can tell you that we will be going after assets every legal way possible. All of the commissioners are playing a role in this project, and tonight we'll shortly be making announcements. Mayor Burke knew that 
He had to be the thermostat. He had to set the temperature and to look those people in the eye and to, and to take that with grace and to keep their eye on the ball to keep us moving forward. And there's always this part for the citizens that could come in and speak, and they would just scream at us. Mayor Burke has his own business. Would he turn all financial controls over to an employee of his business? With the almost total lack of oversight that this city had had, would he run his business that way? A letter writer in the Telegraph today said that Mayor Dixon owes the city an apology and an immediate resignation, and I agree wholeheartedly. It was horrible to see these people stand up and just accuse them of, well, you, you didn't catch it because you were in on it. How could you not have caught this? All the name calling and all the yelling. I do not think anyone really knows what the true finances of the city are at this point. Maybe Rita Crudwell does, but fortunately she is no longer here. We finally had to get the police to come to the meetings for protection. We were actually afraid that they might come after us. And this is when my life really went downhill in a hurry. I wasn't sleeping, I wasn't eating, my heart was just racing. I said, you know, I don't know what to do, I can't quit. It was something I wouldn't wish on anybody. April 21st, 2012. Dear Mayor Burke, Please be advised that I hereby tender my resignation as city comptroller-treasurer of the city of Dixon. A case pending in the Northern District Court of Illinois prevents me from holding this position. Please send to me the usual forms provided to a person who is leaving the city's employment. Very truly, Rita A. Crandwell. And it was interesting how the stories got spread around the coffee shops, you know, and the bars, and they'd be coming up with all kinds of suppositions as to what happened. And then, oh, well, all of a sudden, well, I heard, I heard, I heard, and rumors spread like crazy. One evening, Jeannie and Jeff were home when they saw their neighbor, Rita's niece, Lindsay, in her yard. She helped Rita a lot with the horses and showing and stuff. So, yeah, she was a horse girl herself. She said she had been harassed, and there was a lot of horrible things being said about her. And she gave me a big hug and said, Mrs. Kuhn, I didn't know how we were ever going to face you again. And I said, it's okay. We know it wasn't you. It was Alrita. We don't blame you. And she just, she just cried. Rita's family was everywhere in Dixon. They owned farms, a show cattle operation, a bar off Main Street, as well as other local businesses. It'll always be connected to the Humphreys, oh yeah, yeah. There were some retaliations. Um, their house had been shot at. They were afraid of bombings. And somebody had put some kind of toxic liquid in their horse troughs at their homes, and they lost a bunch of cattle that drank out of that. I've been trying to figure out all of her siblings. Did they know about it? They may have had suspicions, whether they knew about it. 
whether she talked about it, whether they thought, you know what, she's robbing the city to do this. I don't know. They may have never talked about it. They may have known, and they just kept it quiet because they didn't want to be involved. You know, it's hard to say. None of them will talk about it. It is amazing the the trust she built, and that's what allowed her to get away with this for so long, is everybody trusted her. She was very nice. No one had any reason to question her. Everybody knew her. Most of the people had grown up with her, lived in Dixon their whole lives, and she betrayed that trust. This is FBI agent Andrea Dobransky from the last episode. How many times did you end up talking to her? We met fairly regularly to go over the records. I am an animal lover as well, and so I think we did connect over the horses. She was always very pleasant, uh, very nice. During the whole course of our relationship, she was always very accommodating, never bitter, never angry, um, just willing to work with us. Did she ever express any remorse when she was talking to you? No, no. I never got the sense of remorse. I mean, I think sadness at seeing everything she had built up being dismantled, but I never got the sense that she regretted doing it. I do get the sense that she felt this burden of lying and basically her life was a lie, right? She would tell people, oh, we don't have money for that while she's paying herself you know, millions of dollars. She did seem relieved almost when they arrested her. So I I wouldn't say she didn't have a conscience, but I don't know if she regretted doing it because I think she pursued her passion. I think it goes back to the, the passion for the horses and seeing the opportunity. And I think, you know, once she got away with it, right? Initially when she succeeded and she was able to buy the horse and nothing bad happened, I think, you know, she just built on that. And I think maybe maybe more people than we'd like to admit would, would do something like that, right? If you had a chance to pursue your passion at someone else's expense, then would you do it? I mean, she didn't look like a mastermind criminal, And she didn't act necessarily like one, but it was easy to see how her desire to build this kingdom, this this horse empire, motivated her. She did get emotional talking about the horses. She loved those horses, especially she had one good I will be was his name. And she loved that horse. Having to sell him, I think, was worse than than even the thought of going to prison. Is there a reason why? Next time on Crooked City. It was absolutely gorgeous, and I've been doing this for 30 years, and I can tell you, I've never started a horse sale with one as good as this one. Good I will be. Good I will be is put up for auction. 
and Leonard and Lee Berryhill try to buy him. There's not very many horses in the world that you can become attached to, but that's one. But they have some competition. I phoned my husband and told him that we needed to buy this horse. He's like, okay, well, let's, let's go do it. Some smile and never wear a frown. You'd like to know. Unlock all episodes of Crooked City, Dixon, Illinois, ad-free right now by subscribing to the Binge podcast channel. Not only will you immediately unlock all episodes of this show, but you'll get Binge access to an entire network of other great true crime and investigative podcasts, all ad-free. Plus, on the first of every month, subscribers get a binge drop of a brand new series. That's all episodes all at once. Unlock your listening now by clicking subscribe at the top of the Crooked City show page on Apple Podcasts or visit getthebinge.com to get access wherever you get your podcasts. Crooked City, Dixon, Illinois is a production of Truth Media in partnership with Sony Music Entertainment. The show is produced by Kenny Kusiak, Alyssa Martinet, Kevin Shepard, and Zach St. Louis. I'm Alexa Burke, your host and senior producer. Story editing by Mark Smerling. Scott Curtis is our production manager. Fact-checking by Danya Suleiman. Sound design by Kenny Kusiak and Alexa Burke. George Drabing-Hicks did the mix. Voice acting by Nicholas Gray. Music by Epidemic Sounds, Marmoset, and Blue Dot Sessions. Our title track is Sweet Revenge by Big Girl. Special thanks to Dr. Kelly Richmond-Pope, director of the documentary All the Queen's Horses, and accounting professor at DePaul University. You can check out her book, Scam, Stories, and Secrets from the Trillion Dollar Fraud Industry. Continue the conversation with us online by tweeting at Crooked City Pod. If you've enjoyed Crooked City, Dixon, Illinois, leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps other people find the show. And thanks for listening. You'll find the reason why. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.